everyone, and welcome back to Sisters Uncensored, the podcast where our sisters talk about everything and anything. As I'm sure you've noticed, I'm not Emily. This is Jess, and as a quick summary, we are four sisters. Charlotte the oldest, then Emily, and then Alice and I are identical twins, bringing up the rear. A week after we recorded our last episode, in July 2019, Emily was involved in a road accident and is no longer with us. It's been an absolute fucking nightmare, and we miss her so much. It's hard to believe it's been a year without her, but it has. And we're as ready as we'll ever be to record the last two episodes for series one. This podcast meant a lot to us four sisters. It was a chance to get together, switch off from the world, and speak freely, often on topics that some of you wouldn't take to a dinner table, It now means more to us than ever before. Emily was so pleased to get the opportunity to do this podcast. So Charlotte, Alice and I agreed we wanted to finish off what we started and end this podcast in memory of our amazing sister. We hope we make you proud, Em. We also have one of Emily's closest friends to join us on this ride. Who's all the way over in Thailand? Hi, Alana. Hi, guys. The topic for today will be grief, because how can we do anything else? There's going to be tears and a few uncomfortable moments, but I'm sure also laughter and happiness. Right. Are you ready, everyone? (sighs) Yep. Deep breaths. Breathe. Let's do this. We're going to start off, as with all the other episodes, with the chance to individually have our say. This isn't going to be easy. And as the leader and the youngest, I nominate myself to go first. So I am actually going to cry in this, probably. That's but. fine. Okay. <laughs> so a few of you asked how we found out about Emily's death. So I thought I would tell you about that day. <laughs> so that morning, Alice sent me a message asking if I'd heard from Emily. And I hadn't. She was concerned. Jake had messaged her as well that morning. They both hadn't had a reply from her. I didn't really think much of it. Emily's a scatty girl. And so I sent her a message. I think I messaged her a question mark and it only ticked once. A few hours went past and I started to get concerned. And so Jake and I were in constant contact for the next few hours. I remember sitting at the laptop at Alice's flat. Maybe four hours after this whole thing started, I get this call from an unknown number. I picked it up and I had the policeman introduce himself and tell me that my sister has been involved in a road accident. I straight away asked him, is she okay? And he said, no, she unfortunately did not survive her injuries. I think my brain went into overdrive. The policeman offered if I wanted them to go to mum and dad's to let them know and I didn't I I could not have that happen I would call them I would let my family know so I called Alice she was at work and she rushed back I then called mum who was driving at the time and I told her to pull over and she pulled over and I told her that Emily had died And the noise she made 
is something that I never wished to hear from mum. Mum went back then to tell dad and they both drove to London to see us all. Charlotte was on her way to New York at the time so no one could get hold of her. And when mum arrived and Charlotte had landed, mum made the call to let her know. And then we all met up at Alice's flat. Jake came over and we just sat there, just chatting, trying to make sense of everything that has just gone on. I can't put into words how I felt after. I tried to write something down for this, but there are literally no words. How can anyone describe that feeling? Grief to me is everything. It's my life now. It's me making coffee. It's me showering. It's literally everything I do every day. Yeah. Well, well done. Yeah, I mean, usually you wouldn't allow so many sniffs. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it might. <laughs> well, I actually have woken up with a cold as well, so that hasn't we know. helped. <laughs> I think Emily would have been pissed off with yeah, that one. she would have been having such a cold. <laughs> Stop sniffing! Um, well done, Jess. Oh, okay. Right. So, second youngest, we have my twin, Alice. First of all, thanks, Jess, for getting my tears out early on. <laughs> Hopefully this means my bit might be a bit less teary um so I wanted to talk about primarily my experience with grief because I think it will help a lot of people um who are also suffering with the issues I am but just quickly to sum up how I found out was similar to Jess's I was at work and Jess called me and I remember being outside Green Park with my avocado sandwich and it was like someone had flicked a switch it's like, it was like I, I was not there anymore. I was just walking around Green Park, like as if it was a dream or a nightmare, obviously. And then I remember getting a taxi back. It was taking so long to, to get back. It was so busy. It was a Friday afternoon. And I remember being stuck in a massive queue. And the taxi driver had said, there has been a fatal accident. And I couldn't say anything, but I obviously knew why and who, and that was pretty shit. People say there are stages of grief, and I couldn't agree more. The first stage was, it was all a dream, a bubble. I felt like we were in a movie. I felt emotionally dead. And then straight away, I felt guilt, which I'm still really struggling with today. You know, why didn't I text her more? Why did I argue with her then? Why didn't I call her more? Then I find myself trying to reason with how it could have happened. I remember thinking that if she got cancer, that would have been worse for her. She would have hated a long-lived-out slow death. It would be better if she went quickly, like she did. Then I was trying to accept that life was shit. Shit things happen, people lose people all the time. But most of all, I think a stage has been survival. I've been trying to live my life like she would have done. I was pregnant at the time and I had to survive for my son. I had to keep on going like Emily would have wanted. Life is too short. She always said, do what the fuck you want. And she would have taken this opportunity to do that. So even a year on, ultimately, I'm still at all of these stages. Every day is different, but that's okay. I truly feel like you can't rush grief as much as I want to just 
accept it and move on and live normally. It comes in waves. I know the next step for me is to go to counselling, to talk about it. I want to talk about it and I need to talk about it. It's been a year now and feel like it's the right time for me. Okay, thank you, Alice. Charlotte, you ready? Um, <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> or should I say, be ready and go? Yeah, okay. Sorry, my heart's beating so fast. <laughs> okay. Sorry, just start it. Yeah. So when I found out that Emily had died, I literally just stepped off a plane in New York. I was there for a few days of fun with my friend. Lisa I just turned my phone on and I was still in that thing that attaches the plane to the terminal building and my phone rang pretty much straight away and I saw it was mum calling and I remember looking at Lisa and saying something along the lines of this is bad mum wouldn't be calling me now in New York and also I know that mum would never call me from her mobile to my mobile in New York (laughs) it'd be way too expensive So I looked at Lisa and I said, yeah, this is bad. And I answered the phone. And as soon as I heard mum's voice saying, Charlotte, in this kind of like shaky, questioning way, I knew that something was really wrong. But I still didn't really expect her to say what she said next at all. Um, And she just said straight away, oh, there's no easy way to say this. Emily's been killed in an accident. And I I just remember saying, what? really loudly and then I just kept repeating that over and over again I remember being like what because I just couldn't like like you said Alice like like a switch and I just couldn't like I don't even know I can't even my brain literally just couldn't even comprehend what she was saying like one part of my brain was telling me that she must be joking but then I was obviously my other part of my brain was saying that as if she wouldn't joke about that but I just couldn't believe what she just told me and um I remember Lisa looking at me, sort of questioning, like her facial expressions were obviously really worried and her hand gestures were kind of trying to encourage me to like tell her what was going on. And I just said, Emily's dead. And then I think I sort of stumbled back and like crumpled onto the floor and I was crying and still talking to mum. But I don't really remember what we said, but it was really just deciding that I'd go home and she did sort of fill me in that it was an accident on Emily's she was on her scooter and it involved a lorry and Lisa was with me and I remember her arm being around me and then I think some of the cabin crew kind of they would the whole flight had like got off by then so they were coming out and some of them had sort of come around and crowded around a bit but it was what Alice said about like it's literally like being in a dream Essentially, like, someone kind of acted as our chaperone and and he was, like, a really kind airport staff member. I think he worked for British Airways or something. And he basically just did everything for us. I just stumbled around like a lost dog, following him and crying. (laughs) And he changed our flights and sorted our luggage and took us to the first-class lounge so we could wait there until our flight back, which was, like, six hours later, I think. And it was just so surreal. Like, I do actually remember there was only one toilet in the whole of the luggage bit so everyone had to wait and so I remember being in this toilet queue thinking like why am I standing in this queue and my sister's just died like I'd queue to just go in and I just I didn't even know I I didn't even need the loo I just kind of wanted to go in and scream or something that time in the airport lounge was um horrible like I, I called I think I called a few people I was messaging you guys and actually what I did do is I googled And I know that that's really different to what you guys did, but 
I just couldn't, I, it's almost like I needed proof that it happened because I couldn't believe it. And I Googled and I, and although I didn't name Emily in any of the articles, like straight away, I could see that there'd been a fatal accident at that roundabout that I run around every day on my way to and from work. And there was like, a, I saw a lorry and I saw the police cars and I saw Emily's gold helmet upside down in the road. And that was like a really horrible thing to see because I really vividly remember her wearing that helmet. And then I knew it was her because of that gold helmet. And the whole way back was just a dream. And I remember dad picked me up from the airport and seeing him standing there, like his face just looked so... It was, it was so like sort of sad but stoic. And I remember seeing him just standing there and got back to mum and dad's house. And I remember mum opening the back door and her face, like when she saw me, obviously it just like crumpled up and we just hugged and then I stepped in and you guys were there and we existed in that house for the next couple of weeks in our little grief bubble which I'm sure we'll talk about later on but yeah fundamentally obviously fucking heartbroken okay three teary girls in this room Alana are you ready not really it's actually harder than you think it's going to be yeah take your time Okay, so I'm certainly no stranger to the topic of grief. Um, I lost my sister and my two nieces when I was 22, and then my best friend at the time. He suddenly died about four years after that. So my 20s were complete clusterfuck, to say the least, and just completely consumed with grief. I know it definitely changed the whole trajectory of my life. Once you lose somebody in that way, your life is never the same again. But one thing that I have learnt with grief is that everybody is affected differently and that no two journeys are the same, even if you're grieving the same person. There's similarities in some crossovers of grief with people, but I don't personally think that there's definitive stages because it's just so unique for each person. For me, I didn't really deal well at the time and I didn't actually even really understand how to manage my grief. Personally, I really struggled back then feeling like I was really alone with it. But the hard lesson that I've learnt is that if you don't manage grief, it won't just go away and it has to come out in some form or another. And if it's not in healthier ways, like talking openly or seeking help, it can come out in more destructive ways. So I've been on quite quite the healing journey for really the best part of two decades. But when I found out about Emily, there was nothing that I'd been through that could have prepared me for the shock and the pain that I felt on hearing the news that Friday afternoon. Emily was going for a scan that morning. She was having her fertility treatment for her egg fertilization. And I remember messaging her just to make sure everything had gone okay or that she was she was okay. And it just stayed on one gray tick. She was always on her phone and it felt strange. I just thought, well, she's on her way. Maybe the scan didn't go well or something like that. So I tried, didn't think too much. Then later in the afternoon, I was Googling Airbnbs for us because we were supposed to be doing Tough Mudder a few weeks after. So I was just leaving Emily loads of messages about these Airbnbs that I'd found. 
and again I just thought it's really weird like why why is she not calling me back and then in my head I was like going don't be silly like obviously you know maybe she's just exhausted from the scan and she's gone home and switched her phone off and then she'll switch it on later then I had a call on my phone from a friend of ours she sounded distressed on the phone when she called and I my instinct went to shit something's happened to her like I thought maybe she'd been attacked not in my wildest imagination did I think the words were just about to come out of her mouth with it was that Emily had been in an accident and I remember when she said those words I just couldn't believe it it was beyond my understanding that it could be anything other than not real and then from that moment on the rest is just a complete blur but sadness that I feel about Emily is it is beyond words and the only difference between now and the grief in the past is that I've, I've grown a stronger awareness of myself and an understanding of how to manage the emotions of grief better in a healthier way. I miss Emily so much every day and it's just still hard for me to really even believe and accept that Emily isn't here anymore. And there's a saying that grief is just love with no place to go. And I like it. I like it being put that way because it is like you've got all this love for somebody and suddenly they're gone and there's nowhere to put that love and it's almost stuck. That's why I think, you know, you can never get over grief. And so I think the only thing that we can do is try to manage our grief in hopefully healthier ways so that we can try and find a way to move forward in life, but still carrying our love for them with us. <laughs> Next, we come to what we previously called debate time. However, under these circumstances, I'm going to call it discussion time. And to help us along, we have a few questions and comments from our followers. Thanks again to those who sent them in. Okay. What were your last interactions with Emily? Alice, do you want to go first? Yeah, so apart from our last recording, last time I saw Emily actually was on the Sunday. And I went over there because she was moving Jake into her room. So she was doing a big chuck out. And I liked all of her exercise gear. Not that I could fit into that skinny ass <laughs> trousers <laughs> and the elastic band you call a top. <laughs> call it incentive. <laughs> I like any freebie, so I was basically just going through all of her things and taking them all because she had to clear out loads of her stuff for Jake to move in. But so she, you were rifling through Emily's. Yes, I was right. Trash. Yeah. <laughs> Charlotte? So the last time I actually saw Emily was um, on that day that we recorded our podcast. And then I spent the whole day with um, her and Jake and, well, and you guys. But the last time I saw her was um, after we went to the cinema in the evening. Um, just me, Jake and her. And Jake dropped me home. And when I got out of the car and said bye. And obviously she said bye, love you, like we always did. And I didn't realise that would be the last time I ever saw her. And actually, the last message I had f 
from her was in that in our group with mum and because I was off to New York and I remember Emily saying make sure you use a condom (laughs) (laughs) I did send messages to her obviously but like with everyone else they never got delivered and she never I didn't yeah Alana what was your last interaction with Emily the night before we were supposed to meet for dinner And she said she was feeling a bit funky that week because of all the hormones. And also I was really tired as well. And we were meeting on Saturday anyway. We had like a full day. We were supposed to go boxing in the morning. And then we had the second Brain Buddies meetup after that. And then Jake and Emily and I had tickets to the cinema on Saturday evening. So on Thursday evening, you know, being both tired, we just thought, okay, you know, what's what's one day? Obviously, I can never stop thinking about the fact that I was never to know that that wouldn't arrive. Otherwise, we never cancelled on the Thursday evening. But obviously, in hindsight, that's that's one thing. But yeah, so that was our our last interaction was the Thursday evening when we we didn't do the dinner. I actually didn't. I, I didn't know that. I didn't either. My last interaction with Emily was at an F45 class. I almost actually didn't go to F45 because, well, I always try and pull out of them. But obviously now I'm so pleased I did. We went around the circuits together. It was nice, but, you know, bittersweet because she makes me feel like shit every time I work out next to her. (laughs) And I remember doing planks next to each other and I leant over and... I, I was stroking her. I couldn't stop stroking her and saying, like, how I, I always said, like, how soft her skin was. It was so soft. I don't understand I how know. it was so She's soft. She's like a peach. <laughs> <laughs> no hairs either. No, I mean, just like literally... a gorgeous, like, soft. Her skin was like a baby skin. It really was. Yeah, all of it. But at the end of that class, I I left and I was like, bye, love you lots, how we always do. And then I got halfway down the road and I was like, shit, I forgot my trainers. And so I had, which I don't, I never forget stuff. And so I had to go back and grab my trainers and I left again. And then I said again, you know, bye, love you loads. I do feel comforted to know that she knew that I loved her loads. (laughs) Did you guys find it was difficult to even speak in those following weeks? Because I just couldn't even find a voice. Like I had absolutely nothing to say. It was just so vacant and empty. I have such a blur about those couple of weeks. I have no idea what we did in the day. I could not tell you. I mean, we probably went on walks. That was about it. I don't really remember the days either, actually. I think we focused a lot on planning the funeral because that was just something to do. I remember being... I was involved in that. Yeah. um, You were were busy, Charlotte, Googling. I knew that. I did, actually, yeah. And as I said, like I straight away needed to know all the details, and whereas you guys didn't want to know... And firstly, I kind of wanted to see, I wanted to make sure if no one was saying anything horrible about Emily or like, I don't know why, I just had to know. And I was obsessed with the details of the accident in general because, and I think I worked out from chatting to Lindsay that it was because everyone kept saying from the very beginning, she died instantly and stuff like that. So I I kind of needed to know, I wanted to reinforce that over and over and over again. But I wanted to know that, I wanted to know that she wasn't scared, that she wasn't wondering where we were or where mum was or... I needed to know that it was instant and, I, and it really was and we heard that from so many layers like people that stopped at the scene I didn't want her to have been on her own I was I wanted I wanted to make sure she hadn't been on her own 
Yeah, because the police were at the there were police at the roundabout exactly at that time, and so they were at her instantly, and it was they confirmed that it was an instant death. And also, we knew from Jake, like Jake's met up with a couple of people yeah. that were there at the scene, and they rushed over to her straight away. So that gave me so much comfort to know that she wasn't on her own. And I think for Alice and I, who were doing everything we could to avoid any googling, not going on any social media. I think it was good just to be kind of drip-fed that information. I think it was really hard to completely avoid seeing anything to do with it because it was public and that's what part of it made it so difficult. Like unsettling and I remember I was in Tesco's or something and something just caught my eye on the side and it was a picture of Emily on, on a newspaper. And I just remember feeling physically sick because it was like so surreal it was like being in a horror film it was like somebody had printed that paper and it wasn't real it was really strange but yeah I mean it's only I, I still can't really say died I have to say passed away it sounds nicer whereas since the beginning you've always said dead died the and way it sounds I thought so about it. final you know I know and I do get that That's... but the way I've thought about it right from the beginning like all I could picture to start with was the actual accident like the the brutality of it all like the her hitting the road that kind of stuff and like obviously I kind of wanted to say that but you guys didn't like to hear that <laughs> but we're all thinking it yeah I know and it's just like yeah so it's just that I just think of it in such a brutal way do you feel like we've got closer as a result I think we probably have in some ways like we were already close but when you take the, the whole dynamic switches doesn't it mm. it's shifted now because it was like you said before it was it's always it was always Alice and Jessica and Charlotte and Emily so you have to incorporate me into your plans yeah, Charlotte does not stop texting now <laughs> <laughs> I'm needy yeah. I mean as you say we're already really close so it you know maybe a smidgen it's just a bit uh, different. Yeah, it's I a think, different like we rely on each other probably more now and value each other I feel like we probably like since Emily's death like there's less arguments in the family in general like I do think it's given us as you say a better appreciation yeah of you know what it is actually just having people in our lives I'm still. really really fucking glad I have you guys <laughs> yeah for sure it wouldn't have been the same are you able to look at photos of Emily and watch her YouTube videos do you find it comforting to do that yeah, um, it's only since we've been starting to discuss finishing off this podcast that I've actually been able to look at photos, but that's only by mistake when you are going on Instagram or obviously looking at this podcast picture. And I haven't been able to watch any YouTube videos, but I really, really hope I can soon because I love watching them and I hope they can bring me comfort and I really want to show my son, Casper, his auntie M. Yeah, I'm... I'm the same as Al. I've I've definitely found it difficult to listen to anything related to Emily and what's, what happened. I don't know what it is about looking at photos. I can see her in my head so vividly, but there's something about actually looking at a picture and it's almost like she feels real, but then you get reminded that she's not. I will be ready, I'm sure, at some point. But for me, now's not that time. Charlotte, you're a bit different, aren't you? 
Well, I think I'm not as different as you think I am, but I could look at the odd photo of her to start with, but not really. I still can't. I can't. I've just started to be able to look at some photos of her. And actually this whole podcast, I haven't watched any YouTube videos, and but I'm the same as you are. Like, I'm really glad they're there. So Arlo and Winter will get to see them. Like, that's amazing. It's like, they'll really get to know her personality through that. Because I worry so much about them not knowing her. That breaks my heart. And um, I was really dreading doing this whole podcast stuff because... I didn't think I'd be able to hear us on like talking and laughing because it was just such a sort of just plugging into our regular conversation that it really felt quite authentic sort of material. Um, but actually, as I said to you guys and you, Alana, that I found it such a comfort listening to her voice and hearing us. Like I loved it so much. But that being said, I do tend to come kind of crashing down afterwards because you feel like she's still here when you listen to them. Alana, you had an interesting point, didn't you, on the whole kind of people's approach to kind of seeing them and like missing them. And Yeah, well, it was actually just since really the podcast, because obviously, like, you know, when I said I would be involved in stuff, the thought was like, yeah, I can do this. But then when it actually came to the reality of having to download those files and listen to them, I then thought, shit, I don't, I don't know if I actually can do this. And so I procrastinated for so long downloading these audios, but obviously I had to listen to them. It was obviously really strange and it was very upsetting. But then as it sort of went on, I started to feel comforted by hearing Emily's voice and listening to you guys all laughing together. And a bit like what you said, Charlotte, I think there's a part of it that made me feel, oh, right, Emily's back. And then, and then suddenly, again, I had the same thing, like, gone a bit of on a crash you miss everything about them and you miss their presence but yet somehow you just can't have them there in that form anymore it's too upsetting so yeah it's a strange concept but this definitely has been very cathartic doing the podcast and weirdly I was able to listen to a voice note yesterday I went on to Emily and I's whatsapp and I listened to some of those last ones on the Thursday night you know before and I would have never been able to do that if I hadn't done this podcast. And I think what I've realised recently is that you don't want to forget them. And even though I've got her voice in my head and I know what she looks like, there is something comforting about listening to the podcast and her voice again. Because it, fundamentally, you don't want to ever forget them because they're, they're going to be part of you for the rest of your life. Because she's done such an amazing thing in her life that you want to carry it on, you want to carry her legacy on. I feel that like, all I want to do, like, and I'm going to say it right now, is I want everyone, I'm just so proud of Emily and I want her to, I want, I, all I want to do is tell everyone how proud I am and how proud we are of her and how much we love her, like so much, like I can't even put into words. Just love her so much. Yeah, and it is so amazing, isn't it, that the YouTube channel will always be there with hundreds of videos. Yeah, I, I got a message yesterday from someone saying he he's new to it he's new to her videos he's watched them and she's really helped him out of his depression and the fact that even when she's not here she's still able to help people on that level yeah it's amazing is is mind-blowing and it just makes my heart like swell so much for her and she's so pleased to know that yeah it's the fact that these people that she didn't know, like so many people have said to me that she always took the time to respond to my messages. Like, because we'd all get a bit pissed off sometimes that she was on her phone all the time, but that's what she was doing. She was like, actually, 
taking their time to like converse with people who were in difficult times in their lives and helping them she was always on her phone like messaging back and a lot of people have said that like she'd always take the time to dm me back and like that's really nice she really felt like that community environment on there which meant she was less engaged with us. Yeah, but that's <laughs> often ignored my questions. <laughs> yeah, actually, that that next day at the on the Saturday with the Brain Buddies meetup, it would have been Emily's second one. Listening to people talking about Emily as if they knew her, and it's that thing of the time that Emily took to engage with them, and yeah, it was really quite amazing. Where it almost blew my mind how far and wide. Emily's influence had reached like on the brain bodies having messages from India, Australia, Finland, random parts of America and it was like wow you know yeah, she really amazing. did touch so many people's lives all over the world. Yeah. So we're now going to move on to the social media section where people have kindly sent in a few messages to us. Okay, so my one actually isn't from social media. So, <laughs> but actually, a friend of mine wrote me a lovely card the other day and she included this quote and I thought it was really lovely. So I'm going to start with the quote and it's taken from the book The Sky is Everywhere by Jandy Nelson. Grief is forever. It doesn't go away. It becomes part of you, step for step, breath for breath. I will never stop grieving her because I will never stop loving her. Grief and love are conjoined. You don't get one without the other. All I can do is love her and love the world, emulate her by living with daring and spirit and joy. You've got such a soft voice. That's what I was thinking. So, Lana, do you want to read the next one? So, the next comment that we got was, one question I least expected to catch me off guard after my brother died was, do you have any brothers and sisters and how many? It's such a simple question, but it's one I always dread and answer with such a heavy heart. I also worry about the follow-up questions I may get. With this one, I can completely relate. I mean, it's you just wait for that question because there's only so many questions when getting to know somebody that someone asks. What job do you do? Where do you live? Do you have any siblings? It, people always ask. And it's just, like she said, it's kind of like this dread where you're just waiting for that question. Yeah. You know, you're always going to yeah. have to keep repeating it. I used to get so excited when people asked me how many siblings I have. And when I said, I have three sisters, they're like, what? Four girls? And now, I mean, I don't know. What do you guys say? I've not, I haven't been asked. I haven't, luckily. Well, I was actually, because I was single when Emily died and I was just obviously had a little break from the dating scene but then when I kind of got back on it I really dreaded people asking me that on dates and I kind of wanted to tell them because it's so awkward I'd rather just be like my sister's dead because like otherwise it's like you know when do they ask and then it gets awkward whatever stage it's at so I'd almost rather get it over with yeah I haven't really been asked either other than the dating stuff okay so someone wrote in Honestly, with mum, the worst was people saying, I know how you feel, and either A, turning the convo around to their experience with grief, and you end up making them feel better, or B, they really don't know, oh, your cat died 10 years ago, fuck off, that's not the same. Totally get that. Yeah, I get that, but I feel like it's, yeah, it's quite human nature, isn't it, sometimes to kind of relate to someone. What what most people want is for them just to be just to be heard that person is probably kicking themselves after i mean a cat comment that's just fucking ridiculous i'm sure they feel pretty bad about that so someone else wrote in 
Being a typical man and not talking about my sadness, not opening up to anyone, that came back to bite my ass much later. We did have a quite a few comments like this, actually, and it's so, so, so important to talk and not to bottle anything up. And I think it's quite poignant, the fact that it's a man and they've got that pressure on them and they find it even more difficult to talk than, than us girls. So that's a good point. The only thing that has helped me is time. I lost my mum five years ago. We were incredibly close. I'm an only child, which made it extra hard. Nothing helped me with grief, just time. I like that one because I kind of felt like you just had to kind of accept that it's shit. And I feel like I don't, I, I agree. Like I don't think that much helps me either. It's just sort of survival and you cope because you have to. And I think we were talking about how with this, it's just so hard because I feel like I'm like ducking and diving, like finding the best way out, um, fixing this situation, solving that one. And actually with this one, every, every route you take, there's just a dead end. It comes back to the same answer that Emily's still dead. Just be kind to yourself. And I mean, times a heal is a bit cliche and I don't really like that. And it doesn't always heal. It changes, but it's a journey and just you're on a journey now. So accepting your journey. Yeah. And it's been a year and we're still here. Yeah. Yeah. And there we have it. The end of episode eight. And breathe. We hope it wasn't too uncomfortable to listen to, but I can confidently say I feel like a massive weight has been lifted off my shoulders. It was never going to be easy or fun for that matter to record this topic, but we knew it was important to do, not just for us, but for anyone who has gone, is going through or will go through a similar thing. Thank you and see you next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.